Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Brown Sugar and Spice Show. Of course, I'm your host, Dr. Faye. So once again, welcome to the show. For all my listeners out there, if you want to call in and talk tonight, the number is 323-642-1753. So I'm so excited about tonight's show. We're talking about a very sensitive and eyebrow-raising topic tonight. We're going to discuss interracial dating. And of course, there's always... Um, contention around, you know, interracial dating, interracial dating uh, in regards to and dating white women. But what we rarely discuss is, you know, black women being open to finding love outside of our race. And of course, you know, I'm in no way bashing black men, of course. And also, I am promoting black love. But also, I want to, you know, address, you know, black women who may be hesitant about finding love outside of their race or um, who may um, be open to it. And so tonight we have a very special guest, a great friend of mine, Mrs. Chantel Dunn-Brannon, who's going to come in and talk about her experiences as a woman finding love outside of her race and the experiences she's gone through uh, with, um, in America in 2016. So without further ado, let me get Miss Brannon on the line. I am here. Hello. Hey, what's up? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you again for coming on to the show. I know it's kind of late, but I really do appreciate you uh, being open to sharing your experiences. I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'll Every show, I always like to uh, inform my audience uh, about who my listeners are and give a little bit of background information about who you are, where you come from, and what it is that you do. Okay. Well, my name is Chantel Dunn-Brannon. Um, I have been married almost two years um, to the wonderful Robert Brannon and uh, born and raised Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, we were 504 before we were 225 for some of the young listeners out there. Um, like I said, born and raised in Baton Rouge, and um, I lived in Baton Rouge majority of my life. Now I live in Austin, Texas. Um, I've lived in Austin for almost four years, and um, I am a senior-level emergency management planner for the county here. So that's really all that I do. Um, what do I do for fun? Um, I eat. <laughs> and uh, and and I and, and I do box and I and I do workout, um, but that's really just my hobbies. 
Awesome, awesome. So let's let's dive into the nitty gritty of this conversation. So you're a black woman, beautiful black woman, yes. very successful. Yes. And you have managed to find love outside of the black community. So were yes. you nervous about that? Was there some apprehension to you opening up your heart to a white man? Um, there was no apprehension whatsoever. It wasn't really anything that I really thought about, um, that I thought about doing. It's not like one day I woke up and I said, you know, I'm going to be with a white guy. I'm going to be with an Asian guy today or a Hispanic guy, you know, Latino guy. And, um, you know, as soon as I go out there, I'm going to pick the first one that I see. So it wasn't really anything like that. It was more of a situation where, you know, I see someone that seems interesting and, you know, we share the same beliefs. uh, We laugh. And, oh, by the way, you know, whenever we look in the mirror, you know, like he's many shades lighter than I am and our ancestry backgrounds may not link up. But, you know, it was just one of those things where I never really thought twice on, like, if my family or friends would approve or, you know, what the world would think. I just I found someone that I really liked and he just happened to be white. So, I mean, were you always open to interracial dating or this is something that kind of evolved over the years with maturity and life experiences? Um, A little bit of both. I've always been open um, to dating outside of my race. Um, The first time that I ever, I don't don't even know if you would really consider it a date, but um, in fifth grade, I had a white boyfriend in the fifth grade. It lasted for like three days and he got teased and so we broke up. Shout out to Jordan. But in fifth grade. <laughs> but where are you from again? Oh, I'm from Baton Rouge. Oh, yeah. I mean, not to be stereotypical, but, you know, for a Southern woman growing up in the deep South and, you know, being fifth grade and being open to just, you know, dating a, a, a white classmate. Um, yeah. How did, how did your family, well, like, were they to that where you cancel like you know you should do that not because of their beliefs but because of society's beliefs no actually my family they um they thought it was cute because like I said in the fifth grade I mean everything is cute when you're in the fifth grade it doesn't really matter you know so with um both of my parents being from mixed backgrounds they weren't against it I think that my father, he was a little bit more concerned because my father was born in the 30s, okay? So think about that time period. And um, he was just more concerned, you know, how would society view me or or would they attack me or, you know, would they let me live, if that makes any sense. Um, And then, you know, as far as, like, maturity and, and, you know, being older, I guess, I was always, you know, just open to it. But one one thing that I will that, that I will say is that, you know, being in Louisiana, um, it's unheard of. I mean, you know, people do it, you know, and and it's not like going to Taco Bell or anything like that. But I mean, people do it, but you know, it's it's really, really, really unheard of. It's it's kind of like a taboo. But not only is it unheard of, I feel like just in general throughout America, it's very rare or less common for the black woman to be in an interracial relationship more so than the black men, because of course, maybe just media bombarding us with images of, you know, black men with white women or air quotations, exotic women. 
Um, right. So, and you spoke a lot about, you know, your father's concern just for your own safety and protection, but being an adult, okay, you're no longer in fifth grade. You have this loving relationship mm-hmm. with a white man. How has a two-part question, white America responded to you when they see you with your husband and how has the black community responded to you when they see you out? Okay, so this is going to be very funny. Um, I'll go back to the first time that Rob, my husband, um, that he came to Louisiana to meet my parents. So we were minding our own business in Sam's, um, looking for something for my father. And I remember, like, this older white man, he looked at us and stared the whole time that we were in Sam's, not even paying attention to his sweet little wife who was trying to ask him about what kind of meat that she should be buying. But he looked at us with, like, I don't know, it was disgust. I had never seen it before. And so, um, of course, that kind of, because Rob, before he met me, he had never been to the South. He had never been to Louisiana before. So coming from where he's from, and he's from Oklahoma City, um, he wasn't used to those kind of stares. He he wasn't used to anything like that. And I remember we got outside of the store, and I told him, I said, welcome to Louisiana. And we just kind of brushed it off, and we didn't really care. Um, now, I will say, in Texas, or not really in Texas, but in Austin, Austin is so, Austin has been good to us. And let me just say, you know, let me just, you know, say a little bit about that. Like here in Austin, you know, you see a, you see tons of people from different countries, races, religions, sexual preference, you know, everybody's welcome. We don't get any mm-hmm. stares here. Um, you know, when we're here, we don't get any looks, we don't get any questions, we don't get anything like that. We normally get the looks and the stares like we're unicorns um, whenever we are in other parts of Texas, um, definitely everywhere in Louisiana. Um, Rob and I, we've only really been like in the southern portions of Louisiana, so I can't really speak on the northern portions. But, I mean, we, we get looks. All the time. I mean, is it like looks? But it doesn't like, bother us. I'm in awe, or I'm actually like disgusted. Like, how dare this white you man, know, this black girl? Yeah, a little, a little bit of both. And I will say that in the beginning stages, um, I used to feel attacked. I used to By always who? feel like I needed to. I, I used to feel when I say attacked, I mean like just not 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 verbally and not physically. But just, you know, why why are you looking at me like this? Tommy was like 2014. It's like, why are you looking at me like this? We're in a different age. You know, racial, interracial marriages are legal now. You know, like, why are you, why, why, why are we still, why are we still looking like that? It, so it, is this it, more, people. is this more from, do you think, you know, white people or is it more from black people or is it just equal? It's equal. It's equal. Okay. It's very wow. equal. I mean, even, I mean, from all races, Hispanic, Asian, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's it's just equal. It's, it's equal. That's all that I can say. So how have um, black men responded to you? Because um, I've noticed that, um, you know, 
people give dirty looks or they say vile mean things on social media when you see a black man, especially if he is successful with a white woman, and it's kind of like almost like, oh, it's the norm. That's an expectation in our mm-hmm. community. Kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. But I feel like the scrutiny uh, and the criticism is heightened when you see a black woman dating a white guy and this is like the response from black males is a little bit, I feel like it's a little more critical. Like when you have like Eve or yourself or Serena and all of a sudden there's this uproar. What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on that? What have you experienced just from black men? Have they said anything to you about your choice? Yeah. um, Actually it was, it was, I guess three situations that come to mind. And and the reason why I say the three situations, because they're so significant. So I remember one time, and this is funny, um, Rob and I, we were in the mall and we were minding our own business, walking in the mall and we saw this black guy with a white woman. And so didn't think anything of it. I kept walking, but I, I saw him turn around. Well, not turn around, but I could see like his eyes were following us. And so I turned around just to see what he what he was looking at, and he turned around too. And I mean, like all the way around. She's still walking in the regular direction. He turned all the way around and was walking backwards, looking at us. And I was thinking, like, why did you do that? I mean, you know, you're with a white woman, so why are you looking at me? But we thought it was funny. Now, um, two other situations with guys, two black guys that are no longer my friends. Um, one guy, he, we had been friends since elementary school and, you know, really close friends, um, strictly friends, nothing more. And, um, he knew a little bit about my past relationships and, you know, and my search for love and everything. And so he felt a need to always comment under my pictures on Instagram, real negative comments, you know, little slight jabs, but not anything like, oh, you shouldn't be with this white man or, you know, anything like that. It wasn't it wasn't anything like that. But, but I, you, could, you know, I caught the subliminals. Yeah. Right. I, I knew what he was doing. And so one day um, I looked on his Instagram page, just scrolling, and then I saw where he was saying that women who date outside of their race are lost and should be found, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, insulting, right? You know, especially from someone who's supposed to be a friend. So anger set in. Um, I went so 225 on him for, like, the world to see on Instagram. And, you know, of course, like, I I, I did. It was bad. Um, But, of course, you know, like, he, you know, he, he said he wasn't referring to me in the post, but I feel like how were how were you not referring to me in the post? But I haven't spoken to him since. Um, another guy who I had been friends with for well over ten years, um, I was excited about you know me dating Rob and everything, and so and I told him all about Rob, and he was like, oh, you know, let me see what he looks like, and so I should have known, you know, number one, let me see what he looks like. So I I sent him a picture. And immediately, you know, he texted me back and he said, is he white? And I said, yeah, why? And right back, he said, you disgust me. What? Now, that hurt. Right. That hurt because you're supposed to be my friend and I'm not even understanding why I'm disgusting you by dating someone who is not black. 
And, you know, he's tried to contact me, I think, maybe once around the holidays, like a couple of years ago, and I didn't even respond. But, you know, like, those friendships are gone. Um, and, you know, some people, it was like this. I kind of had, because my brothers, I have two black brothers, of course. Mm-hmm. I have two black brothers, and, um, you know, they had no problems with it. I have cousins. They had no problems with it. People in my family have no problems with it. Um, I look at it like people who don't really know me very well, those are the ones that have problems with it. But if there are any black men out there that know me and know the situation and know that I am involved with Rob, they've never said anything to me, and they better not. Because, like, I'm really, I'm really – let me see, how can I say, but I always feel like I have to protect the ones that I love and the ones that I care about. But nobody has been negative towards me that I know of. Correct, correct. Well, listeners out there, we have Miss Chantel Dunn-Brennan giving us a very uh, candid interview about her experience um, in interracial dating. She has a white husband. Once again, the number is 323-642-1753. Call on up. Join the conversation. It's a very good conversation tonight. And press one. We actually have a caller tonight who wants to come into the conversation. Uh, last four. Oh, my. Did you know his... <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, 0070. Some about the buzzes call in. Caller, please let us know your name and where you are calling from. Hi, caller, how are you doing? You... Calling from Dallas. Good, good. Calling from Dallas. Thank you. Deep down in the house. Um, I, I mainly had a, I, I guess I had a couple questions. First, uh, for Chantel, how you doing? Hello. Um, I know as a, you know, just as a black person, as a black male, when you go into situations coming from a black, black family where you're always prepared for, you know, dealing with white people, dealing with people of different ethnic backgrounds, you're always prepared for it. Do you think mm-hmm. that you were more so prepared going into your relationship with a white man than he actually was to be, you know, having, you know, be subjected to people's opinions or outlooks on your relationship? Do you think that affects how you feel about it as well? Maybe he wasn't as prepared as you were? Um, I don't necessarily really want to say that he wasn't prepared. Um I am not the first black woman that Rob has dated. And, you know, I can't speak on anything that he has experienced in his past. I'm I'm not really sure. But I know, like, with me, I didn't really know that it was going to be this much of a shock. And I didn't know that I was going to be in a situation where I felt like I had to break down these barriers, you know, like I have people telling me, like, I'm proud of you for what you're overcoming. And, you know, like, most of the time I just say thanks and I just keep moving. But, you know, it's, like, normally whenever you say that you're proud of someone, like, you're saying that you're proud of someone because they've they've accomplished something of some kind of significance. And I don't feel like we've accomplished anything here. Um, We're just two people that are just in a relationship, and we just come from two different races. Um, But, you know, as far as, like, preparing for it. No, I I mean, I've learned a lot. I've educated myself a lot more. But that's really just about it. 
Well, does that answer through, your question? It, it, it does. Having gone through it now, does it um, does it make you apprehensive about, you know, people that you meet? Like, are they going to think something? Are they going to say something? Are they going to have a funny opinion? Are they going to look at me funny? Does it make you do that every time you meet somebody? Or, does, you know, is that just when it happens, it happens kind of thing? It doesn't make me apprehensive. Um, It's not like I have to introduce Rob to my friends and then I have to say, oh, and by the way, you know, it's nothing like that. It's just that I know people, and if I get anything negative from somebody, then I'm just going to remove myself from the situation because, like I was saying earlier in uh, in the podcast, I used to be real, like, on the defense all the time, and then I had to quickly learn that I could be with a black man and people are going to say something. I could be with a woman and people are going to say something. So, like, don't be so defensive. I can't spend any of my time and energy on being defensive. So, like, I'm not real apprehensive, you know, bringing Rob around or doing anything with him. He'll tell you. We go everywhere together. I bring him, you know, any and everywhere that he wants to go. I'll bring him with me. So, but, you know, but I I also do know people, and if I know that it's going to be a situation where he's going to feel uncomfortable, then I won't bring him into that situation, and I know he would do the same for me. So, Chantel, let me me ask you this. I'm not sure what your sociopolitical views are, but, of course, you know, with the recent events, current events that have happened with, you know, Black Lives Matter movement has now emerged um, right. And you know the whole stay woke, socially conscious people out there, and this has been mm-hmm. a point of contention on many social media outlets. But do you feel that you, a person, can be pro-black, but be married to someone else who is not black? Like, is do you find that there's an intrinsic conflict of interest, or it's totally possible to be down for the community, be conscious, be woke, and yet love and procreate with someone who doesn't look like you? Honestly, I've been asked this question before. I'm um, sure a you lot have. of times before. <laughs> <laughs> I have. And, you know, for starters, I don't know, it's 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 slightly invasive, you know? And, 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 and I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying, you know, like people in general and, you know, it kind of in, insinuates a little bit that like dating dating people of your own race, that's the normal thing to do. That's what you should do. And I don't have to be married to a black man to understand and will understand exactly what it is that that black people go through in this community, in this world. Um, Can you repeat that a little bit louder? Can you repeat that just one more time? (laughs) No, I was just saying that, like, I don't have to be married to a black man to understand what's going on in this world, what's going on in this community, and some of the things that 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 affect Black people. I am Black. I have been Black for 37 years. As many as, as many times as people say, "Oh, I don't see color," I don't see how you don't. Um, you know, I every day that I walk out of my house and I walk into my job or I walk into a store, I'm reminded that I'm Black. And do I support the black community? Absolutely. How could I not? 
And like I said, I don't have to be married to a black man to consider myself more pro-black. You know, as long as we're stuck in this mindset that everyone should be classified into these certain groups, we're always going to have trouble moving forward on how we, so, you know, like regardless of race, like people are who they are. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And let, let me ask you this. This is a less serious question. So I've, I've yeah. never personally dated uh, a white guy, but of course I'm always open to, you know, finding love with someone who doesn't look right. like me. I'm totally sorry if they are for me. So you've dated black guys in the past. I have. So was the game that, you know, your husband pulled you with, was it different from black guys? Because, you know, we're all about the swag and the stereotypes that, you know, black yeah. men, you know, creme de la creme. But yet here you are, yeah. a very beautiful, successful black woman, and you're married to a white guy. So is it different? And how did he pull you? I mean, he didn't. He didn't really have any game, or I, and I'm not saying he doesn't have any game because I think he's listening to this. But, <laughs> but you know, like like he he has game, okay? You know, let me just put that out there. He has game, but well, you know, it wasn't you, anything so. that he. Uh, yes, he. You know, he did pull me, um, but it wasn't anything that he did that was any different than a black man or any other race out there. He just, you know, it. Like I said, I just found someone where we had the same beliefs, we, you know, we, we liked all the same things, and we laughed a lot, and that was really just it. It was really just his personality. You know, game, game and swag, that can pull certain type of people, just like flashy cars can pull certain type of people. But, you know, personality really, that's what I'm, that's what I'm all about. Um, you can have all the swag in the world and your personality sucks, and I just can't talk to you anymore after that. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can abstain from this question, um, just to forewarn yes. you. It's a very personal, intimate question that I'm about mm-hmm. to ask you. Oh, my. Um, but does, in your experience, um, does your husband, um, um, how can I put this? Does he? I already think, know what you're about to say. I, I have I'm a not, feeling I already I'm know trying, what you're I'm about to say. To where I'm being with this, and He's yet not being totally invasive of your private life, and of course respecting your marriage and your wonderful right. husband. But, okay, basically, I'm just gonna say it. So, black men consider to be the manzingos of the world, and that everyone is else is inferior to them. And you're like not the first black woman that I've encountered who says that's a, and that other races can't hold it down. So without giving us too much of your bedroom life, what are your thoughts on that? That is a myth. (laughs) That is a myth. It is a myth. And that's all that I need to say, that it is a myth. Um, You know, I'm not going to just totally get into my personal life, but, you know, it's it's just a myth. It's just a myth. You know, the same – because, honestly, some people – they they get into relationships with um with black men because of that stereotype. Um some and Rob and I we laugh about that. And so some some people get into relationships with black women because of XYZ sexually. Um mm-hmm. some people get involved with white women because of we are I mean, you know, 
X, Y, Z. And I'm just not going to put that out there. And so, you know, I mean, people date different races and they get into relationships with different races for all the wrong reasons if that's what you're going after. A person Mm -hmm. is a person. So, you know, like I said, it's a myth. It is such a myth. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for all that I can say. I can just sum it up. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, you, um, you're definitely confirming what I was already told. So uh, mm-hmm. just to wrap up this session, so for what advice do you have for, you know, a black woman who hasn't found love but wants to be committed to the black community and just simply hasn't found love? Like, how can she be more receptive to um, dating outside of her race? Well, one thing, I guess my advice is this, um, like, it's just real simple. You know, you just let interracial couples decide what being in an interracial relationship means to them. As far as black women who are considering to date outside of their race, they need to understand this, first of all, because this was one of the things that I was told before I was in a interracial relationship. Um there are absolutely no scriptures, no biblical authority in the Old Testament or in the New Testament to forbidding of interracial relationships and our marriages. Um, I know that in the past I have heard the scripture, I can't call the book right now, but it's about mixing tribes. And a lot of people, they use those scriptures to say that black people white people should not mix. And I think that that's just totally absurd. So anyone who has thrown those scriptures and, and your, you know, your family and friends, and they try to justify like why you should not be in an interracial relationship and they throw those scriptures at you, nothing says that in the Bible. Not People use the Bible for the way that they, that they want to use it for, um, to, to get their message across at the time, and that's just not right. Um, you know, how can I say, like, the images in the media, sometimes you have to keep in mind that that's media, that's a celebrity, um, mm-hmm. that is what they're going through. And, you know, like little old me, I'm thankful that my family supports me. Um, in my relationship and in my marriage, I'm thankful that I have great friends that I'm surrounded by that support my relationship and my marriage. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't have that. And so, you know, my advice is is that if you find somebody outside of your race that you care a lot about, and if you do have any kind of family members or friends who do not agree with that lifestyle or do not agree with that relationship, sit and try to talk to them and over and over and over again and try to let them know, like, you know, I care about him or her. I love him or her. And um, and just try to make them understand that, you know, like, this is what I want to do. And eventually people, they kind of they kind of forget why they don't like the person in the first place. Once they tear down that shell of, okay, that's a color, then, you know, they start to look deeper into that person. So that's just my advice, you know, just go through life and just do exactly what it is that you want to do. You know, people ask me all the time, why do you choose to date outside of your race? Well, why do you choose to do a lot of things? Just go back to that. I mean, it's just simple. Do what you want to do 
and do it with no fear. And don't do it because of stereotypes at all. Because I can tell you right now that white people like way white people like chicken way more than what you think they do. Okay? So, you know, like all those different stereotypes, just throw those clean out the window. Don't get into a relationship based on that. Just be positive. You can go into it with with all relationships. You go into it positively and you're gonna get something positive out of it. Absolutely. We actually have um time for one more caller. Uh, last four digits of the number is 5687. about to bring them on the air. So, caller, please state your name and where you're calling from. Yes, my name is Brian. I'm from Dallas. Me too. Uh, Instagram at at Kingberg810. Say the word again. Hello? I hear some background. Can you hear me now? Brian, are you there? Yes, Brian. Yes. Sorry about that. I'm here. Okay. So my question, I have a, a question for you. Um, how was it, how difficult was it, or what was the experience like to mesh your families and the cultures together, church and family reunions and all those things? Was it difficult? And, you know, I just wonder, how, how did that go? Because in my family, we have a, I have an interracial family and, my grandmother, she's from the South, and she raised us and her kids that uh, no matter what, no matter who who we bring to our family, we treat them as family no matter what. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering, how, how, did, how, did, how did that work with your family? Well, with my family, my, you can ask my husband. He says it all the time that when he first met my, my mom, she greeted him with, like, a beer and an ashtray. You know, I mean, just my family is very welcoming. And so, honestly, the first time, and then the first time that I met Rob's family, it was the same way. They were very welcoming, and they weren't just being nice. Because, you know, of course, everybody puts on their best behavior um, in the beginning stages because they're just trying to figure you out, you know. And so I will say this, that, I was slightly nervous and only nervous because I didn't know how our families were going to mesh. But the first time that our families met each other was at our wedding. That's the first time. And, you know, I remember telling Rob, like, look, at this wedding, I want everybody to just sit wherever they want to sit because, you you know, the, you know how they have the bride's side on one side and then if you're here to see the groom on, on one side. And I didn't want it to be like, black people on one side, white people on one side. So everybody just meshed. And, right. you know, to sit back while we were at the head table, just he and I, just to sit back and see our families talking to each other and, you know, and, and joking with each other and taking pictures with each other and laughing with each other, you know, race really went out the window. So I think that Rob and I both, we are we are very thankful that we have families that um, – that are welcoming like that, that are accepting of each other and our cultures and all the crazy things that we do. And, but, you know, some families aren't that fortunate. Wow. Oh, that's wow. awesome. That's awesome. It's a very yeah, deep it's been, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, coming up to this podcast, I had a lot of things that I had to think about because, you know, and one thing that I do want to bring up, because I don't know if a lot of people know this, but, like, back in 
November 2000, um, I was trying to vote for the president. Um, I lived in Alabama at the time. Okay, and so I remember on my ballot, you know, I'm filling out everything. Okay, president, okay, boom, this is what I want to do. Okay, da-da-da. And then I got to something about interracial marriages. Now, this is November 2000, okay, just 16 years ago. And I said, interracial marriages, should I, you know, should it be a law? What do you mean? And so I, you know, I walked out of the ballot and I said, I don't think I have the right ballot. And the lady said, just get back in there and just vote. And I'm thinking like, okay, that's fine. And so I pressed yes, yes, you know, uh, yes, uh, outlaw interracial marriages. It should be, it should, it should not be a law to outlaw interracial marriages. And so that night I sat there as I watched the presidential return and um, that law passed 60-40. So Wait, there was still 40%. This was November 2000 in Alabama. And it passed 60-40, meaning that 60% of the state of Alabama was okay with interracial marriages and 40% still wanted it to be against the law. That's what that meant, 40%. Wow. And this was 16 years ago. And so one thing, I I never really looked into it, and I never really thought that much about it, but, you know, the movie that just came out not too long ago, Loving, um, everybody, if you haven't seen that movie, it's a must-see, especially if you were in an interracial relationship, it's a must-see. But that's about the 1967 Supreme Court case uh, on legalizing interracial marriages. Well, mm-hmm. even though that even though that came about in 1967, it was still up to all of the states to determine. You know, some people they um, they outlawed interracial marriages before 1967, and some people have still kept that law in place. So, like I said, after 1967, even though the Supreme Court ruled against it, you still each state still had the choice to go against that. And Alabama was one of them. Alabama was the last state in the U.S. to okay interracial marriages. Wow. So, we actually have another yeah. another caller in the queue. Um, she's actually uh, my co-host, Miss Kaishla Bird. She's just been on vacation for a while handling some business in L.A., so I'm going to bring her on to the show. Okay. Kaish, are you there? Hello. Hi, hey, ladies. Hello. How are you? Hi. I am so tickled, um, pink, but you know, as a black girl, I'm just melaninated, so not really actually pink, um, by the topic today, because I just saw um, my sister girl in my world, uh, Serena Williams is engaged. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah, not I just swirl, a swirl situation, but <laughs> my excitement is because we've seen, um, you know, witness firsthand, especially because she has a public life, so many of the relationships that come and go. And Mm -hmm. I had a conversation actually with a gentleman um, randomly this summer about, you know, why isn't she, you know, why hasn't she been scooped up off the market permanently? And he had all sorts of ideas around it. And, um, 
you know, I'm more excited about her wins and grand slams and the hard-earned triumphs and resilience that she has. But I think, you know, the personal life win um, for her, as it's something that she's talked about in her interviews, um, is is awesome and extraordinary. And for her to have um, that um, be interracial just by coincidence, um, you know, as we're having this show, I think um, it's interesting to say the least. Why, thank you. Why, thank you. Yeah, it's just it's just a topic I felt like just hasn't really been addressed, you know, that often. And I know so many, you know, single women who are basically sentencing themselves to permanent state of loneliness because they want to be loyal to a certain race, which is fine, but why not be open to finding love if someone's going to treat you with respect and you're going to get the life of that you want, then be open to that instead of just because whatever society dictates is still your life. And I feel like that, you know, hearing from other black women took the courage enough to find love regardless of what it looked like or what color this person was. I wanted other black women who may be on the fence about, Hey, there's a, a gentleman that doesn't look like me, doesn't come from my background, who's interested, but I'm afraid or I'm apprehensive because of X, Y, and Z. So I, I wanted to get mm-hmm. someone who's actually been in that in those shoes an opportunity to have a platform to share their experiences, whether they're positive or negative. Because it to me it 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 all comes it all comes to preference. Because I do have some friends who are black and they have stated that they want to be with a black man, and that is their preference. Do I ask them why they feel that way? No. And I don't ask them why they feel that way because they've never asked me why I feel the way that I do. Um, and like I say, you know, it's just, it's just really up to preference. And I know um, when I posted that I would be doing this podcast and I had such a flood of people that were – and who have and I know for a fact these two ladies they dated outside of their race, and they were just like, "You know, I am so glad that somebody else well actually it was three ladies, you know, like I'm so glad that somebody else is speaking on this topic and speaking so positively about the topic and 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 what it is that that we go through on our journey for love or on our journey in our marriage, you know so I guess I'm doing all of this for them. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. So we've actually come to the end of the show. Uh, Once again, listeners out there, thank you for listening to another segment of the Brown Sugar and Spice. Our next show will air sometime in January. I haven't uh, finalized the schedule yet, but we will be talking about child support and maximizing your benefits for yourself and your children. But Miss Chantel Dunn, thank you once again for coming on to the show. Uh, if you have an Instagram or Twitter handle that you would like to share with the listeners, they can follow you. Please feel free to let them know. Okay. Um, everybody, I can be found. You can look into my boring life. <laughs> um, I am on Twitter and Instagram, and my handle is I can tell. So that is I-C-A-N-T-E-L-L-E, I can tell on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me, I'll follow you back. Cool. Thanks again, Chantel, for coming on to the show. Again, you can find us, Brown Sugar and Spice, on IG at LDY Superfly or BSS Blog Radio. 
Also, you can find us on Twitter at BSS Blog Radio or just like us on Facebook. Greatly appreciate any uh, positive or negative feedback that you may have. Always open to that, bettering the show. Like us, like our Facebook page at Brown Sugar and Spice Blog Radio. And we're going to say good night. Peace. Thank you. Good night. Life is like a big Thank you.